0: Yeah. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Emergency podcast happening because some big news dropped today. Uh, Today being Tuesday, July 25th. All of y'all are hearing this on Wednesday, July 26th. If you were expecting Best Case, Worst Case, Episode 2 of the 2023 season... I'm sorry to tell you that you are on the wrong podcast, but if you want to hear episode two and the rest of the series of Best Case, Worst Case, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. Make sure to leave a review at Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about Best Case, Worst Case. We are talking about Jim Harbaugh, Michigan head coach, as well as several assistants being suspended for the first several games of the 2023 season. Now, the reasoning behind this, uh, it stems from an investigation from recruiting violations in 2021. Uh, Some of the the things that were reported uh, and that have been investigated includes meeting with two recruits during a COVID-19 dead period, texting recruit outside of an allowable time period, having analysts perform on-field coaching duties during practice, and having coaches watching players work out via Zoom. This is according to Trent Noop of Fan Nation, which is a a branch of Sports Illustrated, or SI.com, uh, Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports was the first one to really break this story, and these recruiting violations happened. There, there are a number of other ones that I have heard through the grapevine, right? But the the reality is, if you if you listen to those, they don't seem that bad. Where the the heavy suspension is coming from is because the NCAA believes. That Jim Harbaugh misled them in the investigation and that he lied to them. Harbaugh has reiterated that he has not lied; that he just misremembered things, but he did admit his responsibility to these things. So it's a, it's a bit of an odd case. Still, the NCAA and I think Michigan they're they're working together to kind of figure out what. The final punishment's going to be what it looks like is it's going to be four weeks without Jim Harbaugh, uh, four weeks uh, where he can't coach, where he can't be in the facility. And not only that, he will be gone, but Mike McDonald, Sharon Moore, and Grant Newsom will all serve some type of punishment. Obviously, uh, Mike McDonald no longer is serving on the Wolverine staff. He is with the Baltimore Ravens now, but he is most likely going to get a one-year show cause. Basically, that means he is not allowed to coach college athletics for the next year. Sharon Moore and Grant Newsom will get most likely a one-game suspension, which means everybody's going to be out. Most of the, the coaching staff, at least the high-level coaching staff, is going to be out for... The game against East Carolina. I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on this, but that I think there are probably three things that really stand out. The first is this. I am shocked that this even matters in the world of NIL and and everything like that. I, I get it that there are dead periods. Right, and and I get it that analysts can only do one thing or another. Here's the problem, though, and and this is why the NCAA always stuns me in how delayed they are in their punishments, and it it feels like they punish the dumbest things in the world. So right now, there's there's all these dead period, you know, dead period violations, right? We're in a world where you can buy a recruit, essentially wholesale. Now, I know that there are rules and regulations and there's foundations and stuff. And the NCAA is doing what with that now? Like, I have yet to hear of a case where the NCAA is getting involved in a player being outbid by another college. And it's happening. But we're going to go after these violations? it's it just it it's just it's dumb it's dumb i don't like who cares and then the second one analysts were coaching didn't they just pass a resolution saying that you can have as many coaches as you want like who cares this is it's the dumbest it, it it drives me up a wall. And listen, everybody who's listened to at least more than one episode of this podcast knows how much I can't stand Michigan, especially now that they've beaten Ohio State twice in a row. But listen, this is this is dumb. And it 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 drives me up a wall that this is the stuff that the NCAA is going after. So that, that's the first thing, is like this, the, like this is, the this is, why? So that's the first thing. Second thing, don't lie to the NCAA, because that's why they're, the, the hammer's getting dropped here. The reason why they're getting the sanctions, the reason why there's suspensions, really has nothing at all to do with the violations themselves. It has everything to do with the NCAA feeling disrespected. And it's been the, that way for the past several decades. Uh, Jim Trestle, who I think is not just one of the best Ohio State coaches of all time. I think he's just a genuine good dude. Um, I met I met Jim Trestle. Um, I actually, when I was... Uh, in early in ministry, I actually got to meet with him and we talked about Jesus more than we talked about Ohio state football. Um, that was just an incredible meeting. Okay. Loved meeting him. He was great. And obviously he got in a lot of trouble with the NCAA and the reason why was not because of the violations themselves, but it's because he hid that he knew about it. And there's a lot, there's a lot of speculation as to why there's a lot where people thought that maybe he was actually protecting the players by doing that. Not from the NCAA, but actually from other worse stuff. Um, there's there's stuff out there about the FBI saying, hey, can you not like can you not report this yet? So there's just there's a lot that a lot of people didn't report on that was out there. But the the, the fact remained that he misled the NCAA. And it was that, not the tattoos, not the stuff. I mean that that got the players in hot water, but what got him in hot water and what ended up causing him to lose his job was that he misled the NCAA. And we've seen it year in, year out. You could do the worst things ever. If you tell the truth, you're fine. Or if you don't get caught, you're fine. But if you get caught and you lie about it, you're in a lot of trouble. And I don't know you know I don't know all the dynamics of Jim Harbaugh. I don't I don't know if he did mislead, if he was strategic and trying to lie about it. I I don't want to speculate here. He maintains that he never tried to mislead. I I'm going to believe him. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's that's me being optimistic. Maybe that's you know I I don't I don't want to speculate. Uh, and slander a person. I, I just don't want to do that. But the reality is, the NCAA thinks that he misled them, and you know what? That's when you get into trouble. So, point number two: whatever you do, if you're a, a college coach that messes with the NCAA or like is is in some sort of hot water with them, just do everything you can to give as much accurate information, because you know what? If they don't mislead, my guess is there's no suspensions. This is a slap on the wrist, and it's over. Instead, now, Jim Harbaugh is at least going to miss four games. He could get up to six. That The type of violation that this is, lying to the NCAA, it, it constitutes up to a six-game suspension. So... Four is what it sounds like, but it could be more. Um, which leads to my third and final point. If it's a four-game suspension, it's not going to matter in the games themselves, right? Even a six-game suspension, there's really, I mean, the the two games, that there are two games that I'm maybe a little nervous about. The the schedule is simple. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, all at home. If it branches out to six games, it's Nebraska and Minnesota. That's, you know, Nebraska going to Nebraska, first game under Matt Rule, that could get a little dicey. Minnesota, eh. Um, you know, who cares? But it's... You know, and to Minnesota fans, I, it, I'm just saying, Michigan's better. Like, they, they, they have more talent, they have a better offensive line, better defensive line, better better coaching, quite honestly. Um, I think Minnesota's an up-and-coming program. I think P.J. Fleck's done a really good job with them. I just don't think they're going to beat Michigan even without Harbaugh. Uh, and most likely, um, most likely, he will not miss that game. That being said, I do grow weary—not weary, that's not the right term—nervous for their program with him missing that much time. Now, he, the coach, can't be in the facility where the contests are played and have no contact or communication with football coaching staff members or student-athletes during the suspension period. So that includes all coaching activities for the period of time that begins at 12.01 a.m. on the day of each contest and ends at 11.59 p.m. on those days. So that's, that's per ESPN.com, um, per Pete Thamel, who was reporting on this for ESPN.com. So what that means is Harbaugh's is gonna miss every game day. He can't be in the building, he can't coach, he can be there for training camp, he can be there for practice, he can't be there for the games. Same thing will be true of the assistants that are missing. And I think that may have more of an impact than people think, because yes, you miss East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers. Who's the toughest team in that? Like, either Rutgers or maybe East Carolina. You know, East Carolina's not a terrible group of, group of five team, but they're a group of five team, and they're not... They're certainly not upper echelon, right? And Rutgers is Rutgers. But where I grow concerned is what happens as Harbaugh gets back and the rhythm and the flow kind of you know get jostled up a bit. What does happen at Nebraska? First game that Harbaugh comes back. I'm sure that it'll be it'll be electric, it'll be exciting, you know, Michigan will probably be very very excited. But do things get a bit off kilter because their game day routines different for the first, you know, after four weeks of having somebody else lead their game day routine. And now Jim is back. Um, and then you have Minnesota, who I, you know, I just said, Minnesota's not as good as Michigan, but does that start to wear on them? You go to East Lansing on October 21st. I don't think Michigan State's going to be that good this year, but they've lost to worse Michigan State teams. Right? They go to Penn State, and you know, they, they close with Maryland and Ohio State. Maryland's no joke, and Ohio State's obviously no joke. And granted, they'll have plenty of time to kind of kind of reconvent re reconvene and coalesce, but you're missing a third of the season. You know, what is that going to be like for them? So, like, acutely, they're going to go 4-0. You know, unless if, you know, somebody gets hit... Like, the entire offensive line gets hit by a bus. Like, they're not going to lose those four games. But do things look clunky, and do they get out of rhythm? I think that was something when Urban Meyer was suspended for three games in 2018. It felt like it took them a long time to really get a rhythm. And honestly, the only time we really saw them get into rhythm was the last game of the season, of the regular season, which was against, which, which was against Michigan. Uh, they, were, they were like shifting between second and fourth gear, it felt like, all season long. Um, and I don't think it was all because of the suspension, but the reality is you have rhythms in place and patterns that you, you instill over weeks and months, and you're taking a whole third of the season and you're saying, and trusting that somebody else, and then you're going to bring Harbaugh back. You're you're removing his presence on the sideline for four weeks, and then you're going to bring him back. The issue is not the first four games. The issue is the last eight games. How does that rock the boat? And it may be fine. Like, Michigan is good enough where they could go 12-0. Like, Michigan is good enough where they can make the playoff and win a national championship. But does this mess with the rhythm of the team moving forward? So that's my only concern I like I already have a pretty good idea of who I'm picking to win the Big 10, which I'm not going to say yet. But I this does concern me. It, it doesn't con- like I, they're not they're not going to lose one of the first four games. I doubt they lose to Nebraska and Minnesota. But it it does it does more than you think. It's it's you know, there's articles on Sports Illustrated. They're like, "Oh, this doesn't matter at all." Yada yada yada. They have plenty of time. Yada yada yada. And they might be right. Like, I'm not. I'm not gonna say there's definitely gonna be impact. Uh, there's definitely gonna be an impact, and they're definitely gonna lose games. But don't be surprised if they look really clunky, especially in weeks five through nine. Don't be surprised if get, they get upset by the Spartans. Or by or by the Corn Huskers. Like it's just it's just different or wonky. Um now, they get upset in either one of those games. They can still beat the rest of their schedule and still make the Big Ten championship game and still make the playoff. So am I saying that it's a big, 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 big deal? No, that's not what I'm saying. Just to clarify, I'm just saying it's probably bigger than you think. That's. I'm going to end there. We will continue our series, our best case, worst case series, uh, on Thursday morning, where we'll go through uh, the next group of teams. I believe it is Northwestern and Rutgers. I think that's who we're going to look at as Rutgers and Northwestern. So. Um, so stay tuned. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe. Send me an email, Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. Big Ten Football Talk. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well. Have a good night. Take care. God bless.